hope, things like But you guys are on it this morning. Faith, okay? Because here's the thing. When you look at all those words like, you know, justification and righteousness and resurrection, Jesus, God, all of them. If you were to strip everything away, and if you, I think if you were to just drill down on one word that really is the foundational word for Christianity, it's faith. Because if you think about it for a moment, without faith, Christianity crumbles. Because think about it. You've got to have faith to believe in the first place that there is a God. You've got to have faith that there was a man by the name of Jesus and he did something, and he died on a cross. you got to have faith to be, even be saved in the first place. you got to have faith to believe that what we read is the very word of God, and it's truth. You gotta, this thing we call Christianity is lived out by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Every day that you claim to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, every day we, we have this label on our life, Christian, it is by faith. And so I've entitled my message simply one word today, faith. And I would like to read our text before we dive in. And so I hope you're there with me with a Bible. But in John chapter 4, starting with verse 43, and let me read all the way through to verse 54. It says, after the two days, he, meaning Jesus, departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Canaan in Galilee, where he had made water to wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him. And told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them what hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. And this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And we just pray, Lord, open our hearts to this important topic of faith. And Lord, let us walk by faith to trust you, Lord, through every moment of our time. And we just pray your blessing on this time in your word now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you notice three times in this text, the word believe is used. But believe, belief, faith, they're synonymous. They all mean the same thing. So that's where I'm going with this, is, is this thing about faith. And I want to look at six things today about this idea, this topic, this word, faith, and, and, and let's look at these things. What, what, what is it about faith that comes alive in this text? And here's the first thing. Uh, number one there. Faith can be stirred by a crisis. Faith can be stirred by a crisis. So again, let's, let's get some background here of what's happening. So in verse 30 or 43, it says that after two days, Jesus departed Galilee. Now remember that Jesus... The, the nation of Israel was broken up into different, different regions. 
The southern part of uh, Israel, it was Judea. The middle section is Samaria, and the northern section was Galilee. Jesus is at one time with John the Baptist. Him and John were baptizing in Judea. And, and then Jesus departed Judea, and he was going to go to Galilee, but he made a pit stop in Samaria. And that's where we've been in chapter 4. And he, while he was in Samaria, he had a conversation with a woman at a well, and, and, and he spent two days in this, this town called Sikar. And so here's where he's at. He's now leaving Sikar, which was in the middle of, of Samaria, and now he's continuing to, to Galilee. And he gets to Galilee, and it says that he gets to Galilee, and um, he, he goes to a town by, the name, by Canaan. And it was in this town of Canaan where, if you remember previously, um, his first miracle was performed. Turned water into wine at a wedding. All right? But now you notice it says that when Jesus gets to Galilee, he gets to Canaan. It says that the people are excited that Jesus has come. All right? Because they remember, I remember when I was in Jerusalem at the feast. What that means is when the, the, the Passover feast Chapter 2 tells us that Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Remember, he clears out the temple. They had turned it into some kind of market. But it also says that the people were believing in him because they saw the things that he was doing. He was performing miracles. And he was doing things. And the people were, like, excited about Jesus. So now, here he is back in Galilee. He's finally arrived, and he goes back to Canaan. Let me ask you. If, if some guy had shown up here in Woodhall, and he came to this church, yesterday we had a wedding. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know, Preston and Emily gets married yesterday. And what if some guy was here, and, and the food that was out in the foyer, he just, like, multiplied it just out of nowhere. And then he leaves, and let's say a month from now, he comes back to this church. How many of us would be like, dude, I remember what you did at that wedding. That was awesome. That's what's going on here. These people remember what Jesus did in Jerusalem at the, at the Passover feast. And now they're like, he's back. And they're like, wait a minute, I was at that wedding. And, and I remember when the wine was gone. And then all of a sudden, there was more wine. This guy did it. It was awesome. They're remembering this. And they're like, now he's back. And so they're excited and they're welcoming him. But now look at verse 46. It says, he came again to Canaan in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. And at, Caper at Capernaum. Capernaum was about 20 miles away from Canaan. There was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Galilee, Judea to Galilee, he went to him. The news about Jesus is spreading, isn't it? Okay. Now, you got to remember, um, how would have news, how fast would have news traveled back then? Not very fast. How many of you grew up in the 80s? Remember, remember trying to get news around? And, you know, if you wanted to contact one, you're writing a letter. All right. There was no internet. There was no texting. There was nothing. Okay. Well, it was even worse back then. But yet this guy who lived 20 miles from Canaan had heard about this dude. He's like, man, I've heard about this guy. Apparently, Jesus had already been healing people. He hadn't just turned water into wine. 
He's, healed, he's had to have healed people because this guy's heard. He's heard about Jesus. It's not like he's like, I need to go to Jesus because I, I got a financial problem. He's like, my son is ill to the point, and it says twice in the text, he's nearly dying. And so he hears about this Jesus, and he's like, oh, he's in Canaan. That's 20 miles. Well, he didn't get in the car, didn't get on his motorcycle. He may have ridden a horse, a donkey, or he walked. But it was going to take him some time to get there. But he hightails it to Canaan because he knows someone's there. You see, this man's in a crisis. Anybody other than me think if your child's dying? That's a crisis moment, isn't it? He's not messing around. This guy is in a crisis. And, and, he, and here's what the crisis did. It moved his faith. Now, notice in, in, in the text it says an official. Some of you may have a text that says a royal official. Okay? This guy was actually a Roman citizen. He, would have, he, would have, he was a Roman, either a civil or military officer. High-ranking official. He was under King Herod, who was tetriarch. Uh, he was, King Herod was a, a Roman tetriarch who ruled over Galilee. Okay? And so this guy was under the head of King, King Herod, but he himself was also very important. All right? We know he was a very important official because if you go down in verse 51, it says that he had servants. So if this guy has servants, he was wealthy, he was powerful, he had a position, all right? And so this guy, he's like, um, I, I've, got a, I've got a major problem. He's got a crisis. He was somebody. He was a Roman. So he would have believed in probably multiple gods. But something happened to his faith here. He had to turn and say, I'm going to get to this guy. I'm a Roman, but I'm going to get to this Jew. Because he's doing something. It stirred his faith. It stirred him enough to turn to Jesus. It wasn't saving faith. It wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm going to go down and start following Jesus' faith. It wasn't great faith. It was a feeble faith. Just enough to look at his life and go, I'm in a crisis. I don't know what to do. I'm pretty sure being a Roman, citizen, being a Roman official, he had probably taken his, his son to doctors. We'd all be in agreement with that. I'm pretty sure he just didn't have, well, I don't know. He's sick. I'm sure he took him to the doctors of his time, to Roman doctors. And the doctors were like, we can't do anything. He's going to die out of our hands. And so the crisis created a faith in this guy. Not a big faith. Just enough where he heard about Jesus. This was his coming to Jesus moment. Let me ask you, you ever had a I come to Jesus moment? All of us have. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have had your I've come to Jesus moment. But here's some, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a crisis and it turned you to Jesus? How many people, maybe, maybe it, it is you, or how many people have you ever known who did never, never wanted anything to do with God? 
Never wanted anything to do with Jesus. But in the crisis, they had nowhere else to go. And how many people show enough faith to look up and go, God, help me. Jesus, I need you. I have nowhere else to go. And here's the thing we're going to see in this text as we get to the last point. This man, he's a Roman. No faith, no belief in, 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 in the Jehovah God. No faith in the Israel God. No faith in this Jesus. But yet he turns and he has enough faith to go to Jesus. Just enough. Just enough. And by the end of this, these, these verses... His faith has transformed his life. It's a life transformation faith. How many people, maybe you're there. Your life has been transformed because you found Jesus in a crisis. You had a health issue. You had a financial issue. You had a marital issue. There was something breaking down in your life and there was nothing you could do to change it. But you exercised enough faith because the crisis did something in you. And it caused you to go, Jesus, I have nowhere to go. I don't know where to turn to. So I'm going to look to you. And it was enough faith to just turn you to Jesus. Your come to Jesus moment. And it transformed your life. That's what's going on here. A crisis can stir the faith in a person. Here's the second thing about faith. Faith is activated through humility. Faith is activated through humility. Again, look at verse 47. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him. And asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Again, let me remember, this guy's a Roman citizen. A high-ranking official. He has power. He has wealth. He has prominence. He has a position. He has influence. People know him. He, he has servants. He's probably, he's, he's telling these servants, you do this, you go here. He's got authority. But in this moment, he realized something. Me being a Roman, me being a, a high-ranking official, my wealth, my position, my power, my authority has nothing right now. None of that is healing my son. And so this high-ranking Roman official had to do one thing, humble himself. He had to come to the place and say, right now, it doesn't matter who I am or what I hold. I need to get to this Jew. Because you got to remember, to Romans, Jews were nothing. Romans were everything. And so for a Roman high-ranking official to go to a Jew and ask him to do something, was huge it was no small thing this Roman didn't care I don't care who what everybody else thinks I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to going down to Canaan and I am going to ask this man will you come to my house 
and heal my son. He had to humble himself. His pride would have caused the death of his son. Do you know the one person who Jesus can't help? The one person that God can never work in their life. A one person that will never be saved. A proud person. It's sad. Because a proud person says, I don't need help. A proud person says, I don't need God. A proud person says, I can save myself. A proud person says, you know what? I can figure this out. I can do it on my own. Thanks, but no thanks. I don't need your help. And a proud person will see their life fall apart completely because they will not ask for help, especially from God. You see, that's why the Bible makes it very clear in 1 Peter 5. It says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud. It's almost like God goes on the offensive against pride, against proud people just to show them how their pride is going to hurt them. He wa God wants to break the pride of people because pride keeps people from him. But when people humble themselves and people come to God and, and, and he, they're like, God, I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. I need your help. God doesn't oppose that. God doesn't dismiss that. He says he gives more grace. He gives grace in that moment. Man, when you're in a crisis, when your life is broken, when your life is hurting, those are the moments that you need God to just pour out something that you can't, you can't get yourself. You know, I, I, I wrote this down. I want to I say it right. Let me see if I can find it. That God gives us what we need. And I, I, I think of my own self here. He gives us what we need. He gives us more grace to overcome our failures, our weaknesses, our sinfulness, and our imperfections. Man. He gives us more, he gives us more strength when we feel like there, I, I don't have anything left. He gives us that extra strength. He gives us that peace that transcends our understanding. When I can't figure this out, I don't know how this is working. God, he gives us that peace. He gives us more comfort when our hearts seem to be just broken and falling apart. He wants, to, he wants to pour that out on. He gives us what we need every day when you're walking in the crisis. How many of you know the crisis doesn't leave in a couple hours sometimes? The crisis doesn't leave in a few days. The crisis may be around for couple decades but even in that crisis in the length of it God is wanting to give more grace if we're willing to humble ourselves and say God I need you I need you I need it I need I need what only you can provide and every day we get up every moment we're walking through the day and the crisis is still there man God is still wanting just to extend and pour out more grace So faith can be stirred by a crisis. Faith is activated through humility. Thirdly, faith is empty if it needs the spectacular. Faith is empty if it needs, needs the spectacular. So this man comes to Jesus, says, come and heal my son. Now Jesus' response in verse 48 seems kind of you know, standoffish. He says in verse 48, 
And Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now it almost sounds like, wow, Jesus, how rude are you? Like this guy's, this guy's coming to you and, and, and humbling himself and he's asking, come and heal my son. And Jesus is like, well, unless you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. Here's the thing we need to understand. I don't think Jesus is talking to him as more as he's talking through him to the people around him. It's kind of like, you remember when, when um, Peter, when, when Jesus told Peter, hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to die on a cross and, and, and I'm going to be crucified. And, and Peter's like, never, you'll never die on a cross. And he says, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to the person behind Peter who was Satan. And so when Jesus says this to this man, I don't think he's condemning the man. I think he's saying it to the man for the people to hear. Because the Jews, the Galileans, again, remember, they're all psyched up. Jesus is back. I remember what he did at the wedding. I was there in Jerusalem. He's doing some great stuff. Now, if you remember in chapter 2, it says that the people believed in Jesus because of what he was doing. But it says that Jesus didn't put his faith in them. He didn't believe in their faith. He's like, listen, you're all excited I'm here and everything, but here's the reality. Unless I do something spectacular, you won't believe in me. These people are like, oh, Jesus is here. Man, get the lawn chairs. Go get the tortilla chips. Jesus is about to do something. He just, this guy just asked, heal my son. What's Jesus going to do? Ooh, this is going to be great. And Jesus is like, if you don't see it, if you don't see the awesome things I do, you're not going to believe it anyway. Because Jesus didn't want people to believe in the, the spectacular. He wanted them to believe in him. They weren't welcoming Jesus because he was the son of God. They were welcoming Jesus because he was the mighty magician. Look what he's going to do. Man, I was there. I was at the wedding. He's going to do it again. This is going to be awesome. And they wanted to see the performance. And Jesus is like, you know what? Your faith, your belief is empty. It means nothing. Because you're only going to believe because you see something. He wants people to be able to believe even when they don't see it. That's what he told the disciples, if you remember. We're going to see that at the end of John. After Jesus' death and resurrection, it was Thomas that did not believe. And then when Jesus appeared to Thomas and Thomas is like, oh, I believe you. He's like, Thomas, listen. You believe because you've seen me, but blessed are those who will believe in me who have never seen. That's you and me. That's what faith is. Faith is able to believe in Jesus when I've never seen him. How crazy is that? How crazy, think about it, how crazy are we as Christians? Really? We all should be locked up somewhere. Because we're going around, I believe in Jesus. We've never seen him. We've never really seen nothing. But yet, what do we do? By faith. I believe it. Because my faith sees it. Even though these eyes have never seen it. I've never seen a dead person come out of a coffin. I've never seen somebody take a five-gallon jug of water and go, become wine. 
I've never seen someone take a, a, a little lunch and feed the entire city of Gelsberg. These people in Jesus' time saw that stuff. And Jesus is like, I'm telling you, faith is more than that. You can't just see the spectacular and say, oh, I believe. Can you believe when you don't see the spectacular? Can you believe even when you don't see nothing happening? That's faith. That's why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith is. Here's what faith is. Being sure of what I hope for. Certain of what I don't see. Man, I am certain God is God. I don't see him, but I'm certain of him. I'm certain who Jesus is and what he did. I never saw it, but I'm certain of it. I am certain God is moving in my life. Even when I don't see it, I'm certain of it because I know who he is. That's faith. Faith is believing when I don't see it. Faith is not saying, oh, I believe because I've seen the amazing and the spectacular. No, no, no. Faith is I believe in God even when I don't see the spectacular. It's believing in God before the spectacular, not after the spectacular. If I have to, and, and think about it, have you, have you ever said this or do you know people who have ever said this? Well, if God would just do, I would believe it. If, if God would heal me of this cancer like that, I'd believe in him. If God would provide this mighty, you know, I've got such a huge debt. If he could deliver it, I would believe him. If God would do something so spectacular, you see, that's where we live as a society. If it can be tested by science and proved by a, a theorem, if, if, we can, if we can validate it some way and we can prove that it's real, I believe in that. But if I don't see it, it's not real. But Jesus is saying to us, if you've got to see it, you're not exercising faith. That's not real faith. If you've got to have the spectacular, that's empty. That's not faith. Real faith, biblical faith is when I can sit there and go, you know what, God? I've never seen you, but I believe in you. Jesus, I didn't see what you did on the cross, but I believe in you. God, I, I don't know how this word, I don't know how this thing, like I, I wasn't there when, when you wrote it and put it, but I believe it. That's faith. Seeing before you truly see. If you got to see the spectacular, your faith is empty. But if you can see before you see it, that's what faith is all about. Here's the fourth thing. Faith surrenders my expectation of what God does. Faith surrenders my expectation of what God does. So look at verse 49. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. He wants Jesus to come to his home. Jesus, come to where I live. My, my son's in bed. My son is, he, he's, he, he's, he's going to die. Please come with me. How many of you know that's, that's a pretty simple request? I think it's an urgent request. This guy, this guy, you know, understand, this guy hasn't seen anything that Jesus could do. All right? This guy's only heard about Jesus. So his natural thinking is, 
I've got to have him come to my son. He doesn't, because he doesn't have enough, think about this. He's like, he's, like, he's going to die. I need you to come. He, he doesn't even believe that Jesus could raise him from the dead. He's like, you got to come now. Because if he dies, it's over. So I need you, Jesus, just come to my home. Seems sensible. But look what Jesus says. And Jesus says, verse 50, go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Think about that for a moment. Now, it, right there at the moment, the guy's like, okay, I'll, I'll believe you. And he goes. Now, remember, he has a 20-mile trip to take by foot. So he's got a little bit of time to think about that. He's like, I'm going, I sit and go, did he, like, okay. Oh, what did I just do? What am I doing? Really? Oh, man. How do I know? How do I know? The guy wanted Jesus to come to his home. But how did Jesus respond? Just go. He's okay. Maybe the guy was like, that's not what I asked. I, I, I asked you to come to my home, and you didn't do it. I, I was expecting something else. I was expecting you to come, but you stayed where you were. Let me ask you, do you ever pray and expect God to do what you want? Here's the thing. When when you pray and you're asking for something, pray big prayers. Pray bold prayers. Pray the impossible prayers. Ask God for the impossible. Ask God for something that is so big, it can't happen in the natural. Pray that. Believe it. Expect it. Ask God to answer it. But, God, your will be done not mine. Can you pray big, bold, audacious prayers in the line, in the, way, in, in the lane of Isaiah 55? But God, your ways are not my ways. And God, your thoughts are not my thoughts. So God, here's my thought. Will you heal me? God, will you deliver me? God, here's my way. Here's what I want to see happen. But God, my way's not yours. So if you have a different way, you be God. Can you do that? A lot of people can't. Can you manage your expectation? Well, some people have got, Jim, that's not faith. Yes, it is. Because I don't demand anything from God. Faith still says, I'm believing you, God. Man, I believe you can do this. God, I believe this can happen. But I want your will done. How many of you know God is not going to just do it because you demand it of him? He's still God. And can we, can, can my faith, oh, let's believe for great stuff. But you know what? Can you still believe God if he chooses to do it in a different way? Can you still believe God if he chooses to answer it in a different timetable? Because let's be honest, you and I, when we're in a crisis, we want God to answer our prayer when? Now. If not, in fact, how about 10 minutes ago, God? Have you ever been in a crisis and you're praying fervently and you're praying expectantly? You're praying loud prayers. You're like crying out to God. And three months later, God still has not moved. Or three years later, God still has not moved. And you, do you ever sit there and ponder why? And do you ever start to back up on the faith? Well, maybe I can't believe God in this anymore. 
How do I, how can I really? No, you see, faith continues to believe God even when he's not moving the way we expect. Because I back up and I go, you know what? You're God. And if you want to answer it differently, God, that's okay. If you want to answer it in a way that, that I, I don't even see right now, that's okay. You're going to answer it in a timetable that's off my chart, that's okay. Because you're God. And ultimately, this thing, this crisis, it's yours. So God, you do it with, you see, faith surrenders my expectations. Faith says, God, it's yours. And when you want to answer it, how you want to answer it, where you want to answer it, what you want to do with it, it's all, that's, that's yours. Here's what I'm going to do. God, you've told me to go on my way. I'm going to go on my way, and I'll leave the results up to you. That guy had no, there was nothing that told that guy his son was well. All he could do was go on his way. He didn't sit there and badger Jesus. No, that's not what I asked you to do, Jesus. You've got to come with me. I'm a Roman citizen. I'm a high rent. No. Jesus said, go. Your son will live. And the guy goes on his way. All of his, ex his expectations out the window. And he travels the 20 miles or so before he will meet his, his servants. And he realizes, wow, what I wanted, what I expected is completely different from what God did. So you and I, we got to surrender those expectations to what God wants to do. Here's the fifth thing about faith. Faith is trusting in and acting upon the word of God. He's trusting in and acting upon the word of God. So Jesus, he asked this guy, this guy asked Jesus to come. And Jesus says, go, your son will live. Again, like I said, he didn't debate Jesus. He didn't try to swindle Jesus. He didn't try to argue the point with Jesus. He, he didn't try to, to, to manufacture something. No, he was just like, he heard the words, go. Your son will live. Be on your way. At that moment, that guy had a, a choice to make, didn't he? I either believe or I don't. Which option did he do? He believed. He was like, okay, I'll believe you. And that's what it says. He believed the word of Jesus. And he went on his way. That's faith. Faith is believing the word of God. Faith is believing, hey, this is what God says. And then acting on it. How many of you know that's hard? Faith is saying, hey, God's already said some things, so I just got to know what God has said, believe what God has said, and do what God has said. You know, I believe when it comes to faith, there are, there's some um, really bad teaching, a lot of misunderstanding what faith is. I, I came up with two different kinds of faiths that are out there. One is arrogant faith. Arrogant faith is the word of faith movement or the name it, claim it movement. And what this is, is the, that you can, like I, I, even, I even read this once. You make a list of everything you want. Write it down. I want a new car. 
I want a bigger house. I want new furniture. I want this. I want this. I want this. And then faith is the substance of things so forth, the evidence of things yet not seen. Hey, my faith is going to be my evidence that this, these things I want, because Jesus says, anything you want, you can ask me and I'll give it to you. So I can take those things and I can start telling God, God, here's what I want. I want this. I want this. I want this. And I start to claim it by faith. And so the idea is if I just start claiming something, here's what I want. I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. God, because I'm claiming it by faith, you've got to give it to me. That's arrogance. Because all of a sudden, we've become God. And we are trying to manage God like a puppeteer. No. God is not bound to give you and me anything. Even when we exercise faith, God is still God. God honors faith because how many of you know if you're like, well, I don't believe God for nothing. God's going, well, I, I can't help you there. But if I, with genuine faith, God, I believe you. And God, here's what I do want. Oh, but God, you're still God, and I'm going to let you be God in it. If you want to give it to me, praise you. But if you choose and say, for some reason, how I many you know God, did, God knows if you need something or not? And if you ever read sometimes with Israel, they wanted something from God so many times that God's like, fine, you want meat? I'm going to give you so much meat, it will come out of your nose. There are times where God's like, I know what you need, and that's not what you need. But sometimes if we, if we not keep knocking on the door, fine, I'll give it to you, and then you'll have to lie in the bed. God is God, and we cannot demand, we can't be arrogant enough to think, well, just because I have faith, God's got to give it to me. But then there's another faith I call presumptive faith. Presumptive faith are people who say, you know what? If I want to do something or if I want something, I'm just going to step out and start doing it. And then God's got to provide what I need. So if I want this house that I can't afford, it's way out of my budget. And I know if I bought that thing, boy, it would sink me. But you know what? I'm going to buy it anyway, and God's going to have to provide the money for it because I'm going to believe God for that money. That's presumption. And we see that with Israel in the, in the book of Jericho. There was a time when, when um, Israel got their butt kicked by one of the, one of the, the enemies, and, and, and it revealed that there was sin in the camp. So then Israel was like, well, let's go back. God didn't tell them to go back. They just assumed God will be with us. And it says that they presumed that God was with them and when he wasn't. So they gathered the army, went back to that place, and they got by their butt kicked again. Because they presumed, well, we're the people of God. God will pick up the play. No, we can't presume that God will do something if he's not told you to do it. Faith, biblical faith, is doing what God has told you to do. Predominantly, the Bible is God's word to us. The Bible is predominantly God already saying, here's what you are to do. Now do it. Now again, there are times where within your heart, outside the Bible, you know God's telling you to do something. Okay? You are to do it. If you know God is telling you to witness to someone at work, and you're like, man, if I witness to that person, they're going to rip me a new one. They're going to tear my head off. 
by faith because I know God has told me to say something. Guess what I do? I go talk to him because I know he's told me to do that. Last year as a church, here's an example of putting the word together and what you feel God's telling you in their heart. I was going through the book of Exodus, remember? And I got to the part about the tabernacle and, and, and God defines and he shows us what the tabernacle was supposed to look like, how beautiful it was, and the, 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 the materials, the exact measurements. And, and as I was studying that, I believe that God was telling us we need to take care of his house. And part of that was the fact that we had a leaky roof. We had a back room that we were not using at all. And, and I went to the elders and I said, guys, I know this is going to sound crazy. Now, remember last year, still in COVID, in March of last year, we had, well, this many people. About a third of what we used to have. And I went to the elders and I said, guys, and, and, I, and I said, here's the tabernacle. And I believe God is telling me that we are to do a fundraiser. And we are to raise $50,000 in six months and fix, the, fix our building. And, and through the word and through God speaking to our hearts, we all came together as elders and said, yep, that's what we're to do. Can I tell you how scary it is to get up here, look at all of you, and give you a vision and not know if it's going to come to pass? I stood up here and went, gang, it was March of 2021. And I said, by September of 2021, we are going to raise $50,000. And we're going to have the roof sprayed with foam. We're going to remodel the back area. We're going to put some new sound equipment in. And most of you looked at me like a cow staring at a new gate. And in fact, bless Adam and Abby Sini, they were just truthful. And they said, we thought you were crazy when you said that. Faith was not me and the elders going, well, we just want the money. We just think we need to do that. So we're just going to do it. And God's got it. No, God told us through his word and the prompting of our hearts. And then us together, collaboratively, knowing God's telling us to do this. And by faith, without the people we had, without nothing, we stepped out into the unknown. And for six months... We believed as a church, God, will you bring us $50,000 during COVID with a third of our church to where it used to be, wondering what will happen. Come September, we had more than $50,000. We got the roof sprayed. We finished the room. We got new sound equipment, and we had money left over to do some more work. You see, that is God taking faith because he's told you to do something. You step out and you act upon what he said, and he rewards that. So guess what? Faith is saying, okay, here's what God's told me. Primarily the word. So those of you who have children who aren't living for Christ, 
Your flesh wants to keep hammering. You need to get to church. You need to get to church. Well, faith says, I believe God says that you and your household will be saved. So by faith, I'm going to quit hammering my kids and I'm going to surrender them to God. But by faith, I'm going to continue to walk and believe that they're already saved and he will save them someday. I don't know how, but by faith, I'm going to believe that because he's already told me that. Right now, we're living in some serious financial crisis times, aren't we? How many of you know it's easy to go, you know what, God, I get you. But you know what? Um, I, I, can't, I can't tithe anymore. I, I can't give right now because it's just too hard. Faith says, you know what? Philippians 4.19 tells me this. That God will supply all of my need according to his glorious riches in Christ. That, my friends, is a promise. So guess what you can take that promise to? God. You can take Proverbs chapter 3 and where God says that if you will, if you will make sure that the, the best part of your, of your harvest to me, I will make sure your barns are filled. Your wine vats are brimming over. That's just a way of saying, God will see, I will take care of you financially. So guess what you do? Every time you get paid right now, and it is hard financially, you step out in faith because you have a promise of God that says, I will supply your need. So by faith, I, 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 I trust the word of God, and I step into it. I act upon it. And the very first check I write is my tithe. And I believe God for the rest. And I'm telling you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have been faithful and you have honored God with your finances. Doesn't mean you've been a millionaire, has it? Doesn't mean that, that you're not feeling the tightness and the squeeze. But let me ask you, has God ever failed you? Me and Paula, we're, I know we can sit there and go, he's never failed us in our finances. We've always been faithful to trust him in that. And he has blessed us. Many of you are in the same boat. But some of you... You've given up and you've quit giving because you're like, I, 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 it's too scary. Faith is scary. But faith, when you know God has promised something, will not fail you. God will always come through. The question is, is can you trust him? Faith is seeing before you see it, right? It's not, well, when my finances get better, then I'll believe God. No, 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 no. I'm going to believe God. Even when my finances aren't making sense, I'm still going to honor him with my money. And I believe he'll honor me in return. Because his, Bible, because his word says that. That's a promise I can stand on. So guess what? I can go to God in prayer and go, God, I'm not demanding. But I can go to God in prayer and go, God, um, just, just letting you know. You tell me in your, in your word. You said this. Philippians chapter 4 says you'll meet all my needs according to your glorious riches. You say that if I bring the tithe into the storehouse, you'll open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing I can't contain it. So God, you tell me if I honor you with our first fruits, you will honor us. So God, I'm just reminding you of what your word says. And I'm trusting you. I'm believing in your word. So this Sunday when I go to church, I'm going to give my tithes. I'm going to honor you. And I'm going to let you do the rest. And I'm telling you, you're standing on the word of God. You're standing on the promise. You're not making something up. You're not saying, well, God, I want a new Lexus this week, and you better throw up. No. You're just taking what God's word has already said. 
You're believing it and you're stepping into it. That loved one is faith. That's biblical faith. Doing what God's word says, believing it, acting on it, and moving on. And then lastly, are you all still with me? And then lastly, faith deepens as you see the faithfulness of God. Your faith will deepen as you see the faithfulness of God. This is what happens to this man. So he believes the word of Jesus in verse 50. He goes on his way. Look at verse 51. And as he was going, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that was the exact hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. Now look at this. And he himself believed in his household too. Now in verse 50, it says that he believed the word of Jesus. But now here again, it says, and he believed. His belief went to a different level. Before it was like, okay, I'm going to believe in the word you're saying. Now he believed in the works that Jesus did. It went to a whole different level. Now he's not just believing about Jesus. He's believing in Jesus. He's not just hearing about this guy. Now he's like, this is the guy I want to follow. This is the guy I'm going to trust in. This is the guy I believe because he saw something. He saw what Jesus said would happen, and it transformed him. It changed his heart. It changed his household because you can't tell me when that son got better and that guy walks into his house and his wife and everybody's like, what in the world happened? He's like, oh, let me tell you. And then him and his household's like, okay, let's get on that caravan today because that guy is who he is. He's not just a magician. He is the son of God because only God can do that. It changed them. You see, here's where you and I, when we're going through a crisis, when we're going through things, guess where your vision's got to be sometimes? Not forward, backward. And not, not, not like, oh, those good old days. No, 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 no. It's looking backward going, man, I remember when I was here before and God did something and it moved me a little deeper. Man, you're in another crisis. I look back and, hey, God met me before He'll do, and he meets you again. It's looking back and remembering, God has been faithful. God has been good. He hasn't given me everything I've wanted. He's done things in a way that I didn't expect. He didn't answer my prayer exactly how I wanted him to. But man, he has come through every time. And so guess what? Sometimes hindsight's what? 2020 vision. You and I need to get a 2020 vision of God, of what he's always been. Because if he's always been faithful, he will always be faithful. If he's taken care of me in the past, he'll take care of me now. It's no matter what we go through. Somebody dies in our family. Somebody's going through this in our family. Somebody, a child's not living for Christ, whatever it may be. All I got to be able to say is, God, in this moment, it is hard and it's a crisis. But I know you've been good. You've taken care of me. So, God, I'm going to trust you now. And every time we are faced with something, sometimes we need to turn around and recall what God has done. Can you ever think of a time that you, you made a sacrifice? 
you, you made a financial sacrifice. You made a, a sacrifice of your time. You, you did something knowing this is going to hurt. And you, 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 you gave it anyway. You gave your time. You gave your treasure. You, 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 you sacrificed with your talent, whatever it may be. But you sacrificed it and, and you felt it. But then God rewarded it. And then you look back and you're like, you know what? I, I can sacrifice again because God was faithful. Have you ever obeyed God in something knowing that this is going to be hard? Man, I, I would rather just walk away from my marriage. But I'm going to obey God. Man, I would, I would rather just, just go off on this person. But I'm going to obey God. I would rather just fill in the blank. But I'm going to obey God. And when we step out in that obedience, we know what God's word, we step out in that obedience, and God is faithful. Guess what it does? Strengthens me to continue to be obedient. You see, when you and I can see God in the rearview mirror sometimes, and we see what he's done, you know, we, we don't see the path of destruction, we see the path of blessing. We see the path of faithfulness. We see the path of goodness. We see the things that God has done. Guess what it helps us do in the moment now? God, you're good. And I go from just believing to believing. And it takes me deeper. My faith becomes stronger. My faith becomes more anchored to who God is and what he can do. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Folks, we're living in some weird times. I'm telling you, I'm just looking for the scar. The, the, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for a trumpet. I, I'm, I'm waiting for some, some dead people to come out of a tomb. And I'm just waiting for this. I'm waiting for the, 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 the get me up. Anybody other than me ready for a rapture? And I'm telling you, everything in this world just seems to be pointing that it's about to, it's getting closer. But until then. We're still on this earth. We're still wrapped in flesh. We're still having to deal with things. And maybe you are just at a point where you feel like the crisis is too much. And you want to quit. Paula hit it on the nail head. There's a lot of people quitting. Walking away from Christ. Walking away from the church. Throwing their hands up. And I don't want any more of it. Can you... By faith, declare, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it difficult? Absolutely. Does the crisis seem to get harder sometimes? Absolutely. This is not, this is not, playing down your crisis. This is not playing down the, the, the struggles we go through. This is playing up the greatness of God. And that's where you've got to look. You've got to get your faith on him through the crisis. You've got to see before you see. You've got to see him before you see anything move. The question is, can you do it? Can you trust him? Through the thick, through the thin, even in the valley of the shadow of death, death, I will not fear. Why? Because I know, God, your rod and your staff are with me, and you comfort me, you lead me and guide me, and I trust you. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. Maybe this morning you're in that crisis, 
And maybe this morning, like this man, you need to have a little faith. And you just got to turn. You just got to turn back to Jesus and say, God, I don't know. I don't know how this is working out. I don't know how, what the answer, but God, here I am. Help me. Help my family through this. And turn just a little faith. You don't need a great big faith, just a little bit of faith. Jesus, he would say sometimes faith as small as a mustard seed is all you need. And maybe that's your faith, mustard seed faith this morning. But if you'll just take that little bit of faith, turn back to Jesus and start walking in what he says, believing in him, I'm telling you, it will transform your life again. And then you can start to see God has been good. He is taking care of us. Why am I fearing today? Amen. If you would just close your eyes, let me, let me close in a word of prayer. We don't have a closing song this morning. So I'm just going to close us in prayer and dismiss us. So, Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, you are, you're, 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 a great, you're the great I am. You are seated on the throne, and your word says that you sit over the, over the flood. You're enthroned over it. And Lord, I wonder how many families are feeling like the flood is, is raging in their life right now. Help them to know by faith that you are enthroned over that flood. You're enthroned over the crisis. You're enthroned over the problem. You are still God. You are still working on their behalf. Help them, Lord, by faith, a little faith, to be able to hear once again who you are and to say, I need to get back to Jesus and just to turn. And I pray, God, that they can start to see your your goodness and your faithfulness once again. And that that faith can lead them to a deeper faith that could transform them once again. So God, we just trust you through these times. They're difficult. They're perilous. It's hard. But we know, God, that you love us and you care for us and you will guide and direct us. We just praise you, Father, and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Harvest, you are loved. Thank you for being here today. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.